This is the final word. Good evening, I'm Albie Oxenrider, and welcome to the final word. Award-winning, star-studded, and highly rated. This is the show that invites you into the conversation right here every Sunday night. And with that, let's get started. Let's introduce you to tonight's three panelists. Please welcome from our partners at DKPittsburghSports.com, it's Dan Kabachevich. Wait, you're, interview you're introducing me before Doug Whaley? Get out of here, Albie. That's ridiculous. Well, he's next. Start That's it right. over again. That's right. Making his final word debut, former Upper St. Clair Panther, former Pitt Panther, former general manager of the Buffalo Bills, and all-around good guy, our old buddy, Doug Whaley. Welcome, Doug. As many people are excited about the change of season, especially football fans from summer to fall, I'm excited about the change in mentality in the Pittsburgh offense. There you go. And from our partners at DKPittsburghSports.com as well, it's Steelers writer Dale Lawley. Hi, Dale. You forgot to mention that Doug Whaley also was my former uh, basketball partner in the uh, at the training camp basketball show. See, and I covered wow. him in, at Upper St. Clair, so it's like the all Doug Whaley show, really. Yes. <laughs> Doug we used to have a away. heck of a game at training camp every year when, when we were younger. Yeah, until a couple people started getting injured, and then we started saying, well, maybe us old people, we need to shut it down. <laughs> well, Doug, welcome. We're happy to have you here. Some of the topics we're talking about tonight, we're looking for five words on your biggest takeaway from today's Steelers win. Are you optimistic based on the Steelers stopping Denver to win it, or pessimistic in some ways because Denver got back in the game with that fourth quarter run. If Juju's out for an extended period of time with that shoulder injury, how do the Steelers effectively make up for that loss? What's your outlook for the Penguin season that starts on Tuesday night? Plus, of course, your final word. But first, the night's big topic. Did the Steelers finally find an offensive blueprint for success? And do you think they're going to stick with this day in your first? Well, find, I don't know, is the operative term because this was the blueprint for success all along. If you're talking about an actual blueprint, this was the way they wanted to play winning football on both sides of the ball. They needed to pound the ball on the ground. They needed to be physical with the offensive line. They needed to connect on deep passes. They needed to gasp throw across the middle. They also needed to defend with, a, with an effective pass rush and stopping the run. They did all of those things, Albie. That's all that happened. They followed the actual blueprint. All right, Doug, go ahead. This blueprint is as old as football. That's <laughs> run the rock, play good defense, and don't turn the ball over. And that type of blueprint not only travels effective in cold weather, and especially effective in single elimination football. Now all we need is that quarterback to be a game timely manager. And when I say that, make those three or four throws throughout the game that can win you the game. All right, they certainly did all that. And a reminder to keep those comments coming. But first, let's go to Dale. Yeah, you know, I agree with everything that Doug and Dale both said there. Uh, this was supposed to be what they were going to do. I thought coming into this season that the, the, the offensive line would at least be able to run block effectively until it got its legs under it as pass blockers. And that wasn't the case early, but you have to commit to the run. Today they committed to the running game and you saw the results. Doug, were there enough of those timely passes from Ben that, that, that you just brought up? I think they are because what you have to see is the defense now has to play every aspect of the offense. They have to play the running game, they have to play the pay action game, the short passing game. When you're ahead of the sticks, that makes that short passing game that much more effective. So that four yard route now is getting a first down on a third and two. And then all of a sudden, whoa, 
deep pass. Yeah, right. There you go. Right, exactly. All right, remember, keep the comments coming. You can find us on Twitter at WPXI Final Word, on Facebook at The Final Word, and now it's time for five words. Give us five words on your biggest takeaway from today's win. Uh, to Twitter, Big Ben Haters Eight Crow. Oh, who cares? Also from Twitter, the Steelers can't stay healthy. And finally, we can run the ball. Now Dale, Doug, and, and Dale, five words. The killer D's, I just realized that. Uh, <laughs> your biggest takeaway from today's game, let's start with Dan. Uh, got the ground game going. Is that five? Got the ground. Yeah, that's five. That counts. <laughs> uh, you know, the, for the very first offensive snap, was a six-yard run by Najee Harris, and it was right up the middle. And he did some of that, you know, sideways stuff that Doug, I'm sure, could explain a whole lot better than I can. That where he just he looks like there's nothing there, and he picks up something. And you think to yourself, you know what? If they could just do that, it would start giving them some some semblance of identity. And that's what they at least began to form today. It was impressive. All right, Doug. Five words. Offensive identity finally shows up. There it is. As an offensive lineman, and if you think about Russ's Grimm's Hall of Fame speech, the, there is no greater satisfaction than from moving a man from point A to point B against his will. And that's what the offensive line did today, and that's what they need to do going forward to protect not only Ben, but to protect what they need to do going forward to, to make them a formidable foe in the AFC North and the AFC Division the Conference altogether. All right, Dale, five words. Where the heck was that? <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it, obviously yeah. they showed the capability to do it against what I think is a really good Denver defense. I know it's a really good Denver defense. They went out there and just dominated the line of scrimmage against them. You have to wonder where it's been. Where, you know, what took them four games to, to figure out, hey, this is what we need to do, when that's all they talked about the entire offseason. We need to run the football. we got to get back to running the football, protect Ben, you know, yeah, there it was. How about that? They hey. just need time to gel. It's like gelatin. You know, you got to put it in the fridge for 20 minutes or so. Dale, when you said that, I was sure you were referring just to that slant pattern at Chase Claypool, mm. the play we've been waiting for it, all it summer to, long. To Doug's point, when the, when, the, when the linebackers actually have to respect the running game, and now they bite up mm -hmm. on, the, on the play action stuff, and that, that middle is wide open. You know, at this, you know, before this, before they ran the football effectively, everybody's dropping seven and eight guys into coverage, and that middle looks like Grand Central Station, uh, you know, at rush hour. And it also slows down the defensive line. Now they can't play the run on the way to the quarterback. They have to take that split second to decide what is going on here, and then that gives Ben another second back there in that pocket. All right, thanks, guys. Still to come, are you optimistic based on the Steelers stopping Denver to win the game or pessimistic because they let Denver back in it in the fourth quarter? Uh, we're going to hear the panel talk about that. Uh, neither. I wasn't shocked. That's from uh, Twitter. We're going to have more of the final word when we come back after that. Welcome back. I'm Albie Oxenrider tonight with Dan Kovacevic, Doug Whaley, and Dale Lawley. Dale, you optimistic about the Steelers stopping Denver to seal this win or, or a little bit pessimistic because of Denver's comeback in that fourth quarter? NFL games are built to be like that. Nobody turned their TVs off, even though the Steelers were up a couple of scores in, in the fourth quarter. Because you know, uh, you've seen it time and again, 
uh, the, the games often come down to the final play. That's just the way things are set up, whether it be uh, you know, a, a flag at an opportune time to kind of keep things close, or just the other team coming back. You know, you always wonder, why didn't they go to their hurry-up offense earlier? Uh, because it works so well. In that case, you know, they, they did get the stop when they needed to. I'm more optimistic about the way the Steelers played defense for the three, first three quarters of that game when they limited the Broncos to about 200 total yards. All right, comment from Twitter. I'm in the middle right now. Dan, where <laughs> do you stand on this one? Well, there were some things that the Steelers did that were a little different uh, defensively today, and I'm not sure how much that would have uh, gotten talked about over the course of the afternoon, but when you're seeing Melvin Ingram out there with the other two outside linebackers, uh, that's telling you that Mike Tomlin and Keith Butler took a posture that just said, we want our best football players on the field. We, we, we acknowledge that we're missing Stefan Tuitt. I know everybody's forgotten about him. They haven't. And they wanted to put guys out there who could make plays. They did make plays. They really limited Denver through three quarters. I thought they did a terrific job, especially up front, especially in light of the fact that Denver was double teaming T.J. Watt. Other guys made plays. Then Devin Bush got hurt, and eh, then it got a little dicey. All right, Doug. Never lose the sight of the fact that those guys are in Denver, they're professionals, and they get paid too. So for me, I am optimistic because you're coming off a three-game losing streak, and here comes a team roaring back, trying to score to win the game, and you make a play to seal the game. Mm -hmm. Don't underestimate the confidence that's going to portray later in other games that you're in that same situation and that belief that the defense can seal the win. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. And we get back to the earlier Twitter comment. Uh, one viewer already concerned about injuries. So with that in mind, back to Doug. If Juju Smith-Schuster is out for an extended period of time with that shoulder injury, how do the Steelers effectively make up for that loss? As Coach says, next man up. You got Washington. He's better if he comes back healthy. Ray-Ray McLeod and, and Lewis. Those guys are going to have to step up and make plays. But what makes me feel even less apprehensive about Juju not being there, it will make a continued emphasis on the running game that much more important. All right, and back to Twitter. It'll have a bigger impact of fantasy teams than the Steelers' offense. Uh, we appreciate that from Deacon. Dale, you're next. Well, I got to disagree with Deacon at this point because Juju Smith-Schuster has been a non-factor this season in terms of, of actually catching passes. If you look at it, he's the fourth or fifth leading receiver on this team. You use the tight ends more. You use Pat Fryermuth. You use Eric Ebron in, this, in some of those situations. To Doug's point, you run the ball more. I get it that, that Juju's actually their best blocking wide receiver. Some of those other guys are going to have to step up in that regard. But you played most of this, or a large portion of this game without Juju Smith-Schuster, and we're still able to move the football. They've been missing a wide receiver pretty much every game here over the last few games, and they've made it work. Uh, they've got lots of weapons. They'll find a way. All and right. they can also move Claypool into that S Juju Smith-Schuster slot area, which a lot of people have been looking forward to, and I think that might be That's something That's what they did that, on the touchdown, Doug. Yes, exactly. Dan? Can I say something that sounds terribly insensitive? Look, I, I'm wishing Juju well and everything, okay? Uh, I actually disagree with Dale. I, I, I think that he's made some significant timely catches over the course of the season. But if you had one of these three guys that you were going to have go down, it would be Juju. And the reason for that is Deontay Johnson's your best receiver. Can we please end once and for all? Who's number one receiver discussion? Secondly, did you notice that there was a little bit more of a swag to Chase Claypool's game? Did you notice that? Because he's now 
thinking at least he's the man and he should be getting the ball in those situations. And I saw one time over the middle where he was wide open and Ben didn't see him and he came back like, that's not body language you've seen from him before. This could end up, could in the long term, being a good thing. All right. The Penguins open the regular season Tuesday at the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. So let's go back to Dan. What's your outlook for the Penn season? Uh, my outlook is they're in for a rough October. Uh, I'm flying down there tomorrow, and I'm not expecting to cover a couple of wins uh, between the Lightning and the Panthers, who I feel are the two best teams in the East, although Sergei Bobrovsky's playing Thursday night, which could help. But beyond that, the Penguins aren't going to be scoring goals with teams like those two or like Maple Leafs. Then they have the Bolts again later this month. They're going to need Jeff Carter and those guys to pop in some, some timely power play goals. But more than anything, LB, they need to defend over all 200 feet of the rink. All right, back to Twitter on that subject. Prelude to a rebuild. This lineup looks weak. That's from Bubba Banjo. Doug? I'm looking at it from a macro level. I'm excited to see Sully and his staff, how they attack this challenge of not having their two players, premier players, on the ice. What is it going to look like? And it goes back to this is the identity show. What is the identity <laughs> of the pins going to be without Sid and Gino? And then when they come back, how is he and his staff going to incorporate those two into this new identity? Or is it flipped back to the old identity? So that to me is what's going to be. What is Sully and his staff, what their true coaching capabilities are going to be? What are your expectations, Dale? The same as they usually are. I mean, I, I would expect them to be a playoff uh, participant at the end of the season. And, you know, if they can kind of weather the storm here, I think they've shown over the years. Uh, I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but they've done pretty well when they've not had Malkin and Crosby mm -hmm. in the lineup. Uh, so they'll find a way to, to, to eke out enough wins here to get, and get enough points uh, to stay relevant until those two superstars come back. And then to Doug's point, we'll see whether they change their philosophy on how they play after that. Dale, uh, not to put you on the spot, but I'll put you on the spot. How do you think they'll finish in the division? Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, everybody was saying, you know, fourth, fifth last year. Yep. That's probably pretty realistic this year as well. But again, you where'd know, they end up? They, I mean, where they ended up? It, it was, ended up? It was first. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you just don't know. Uh, injuries take such a toll. I, all you got to do is get into the playoffs. Just get in. Mm. And then but, go from there. But more importantly, will they be peaking when they get in the playoffs? That, that that's too. what yeah. I want to see. Yeah. I want to see them be able to build, 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 and hit that crescendo as soon as that uh, playoff season starts. All right. Thanks again, guys. When we come back, we're going to go around the horn on any topic. It's the final word, and it's next. Welcome back. It's time for the final word. Everybody gets a chance. Dale Lolly, you're first. Well, I appreciate that, Albie. Uh, <laughs> you know, in the fourth quarter today, uh, Ben Roethlisberger banged his, his forearm on uh, somebody's helmet as they were rushing at him, and he went to the medical tent. And all of the naysayers out there have been saying, play Mason, play Mason, almost got Here their wish. Comes. In a game in which the Steelers needed Ben Roethlisberger down the stretch to make a couple of plays to win that game, be careful what you ask for. You know, if you forgot, the Steelers of the 80s didn't have a Ben Roethlisberger, didn't have a Terry Bradshaw anymore, and it was a wasteland. All right, Doug, final word. Kudos to Kenny Pickett and his advisors. For him to not chase the money and leave and come back 
and show the progress that we were hoping to see from his freshman year to now say, this is my team and the Pitt Panthers are where they are because of me. In the past, you could have said, well, the defense is strong. This is all about Kenny Pickett. Now he has elevated his draft stock from a possible fifth, sixth rounder to eking into the third and depends on how he finishes the season, could go higher. Kudos to him. All right, thank you, Doug. Day and final word. Future Steelers quarterback, Kenny Pickett, right? Am I right? <laughs> I brought along my Chris Boswell cheat sheet because I'm here to pay tribute to a guy that absolutely nobody ever gives any credit to. Chris Boswell has connected on 56 of 60 field goal attempts since 2019. That is insane. He is 86.4% from 40 to 49 yards. The Steelers don't even think twice about trying to move up a few yards to help him out. Did you notice that today? Why? Because they know he's money. He's even money from 50-plus yards. No one talks about Chris Boswell, well, at least not since 2018 when he had the one bad year. The guy's been a big, big part of this football team. And Our, kicking in Heinz Field, which is and, notoriously bad yep. place to kick. Yep. All right, Day and Doug, Dale, thank you. Our final word now from social media. Steelers might be 3-3 three and three before bye week comes in two weeks. Who saw that coming? Once again, a big final word. Welcome to our old buddy, Doug Whaley. And it's a reminder, although I'm not old, I'm experienced. I know Dan made reference to this earlier. I've oh known no. Doug since Moby Dick was a minnow, <laughs> since the Redwoods were saplings, oh no. since his upper St. Clair days. This is me, kind of, through that little Oh, look at the hair in the stash. Yeah. Covering Doug and the <laughs> USC Panthers as they won the state title in 1989. You can see Doug way back in the middle of the field in that crowd. Uh, who would have thought that 32 years later he'd be joining the crew in the final word? Albie, like you me. finally chased him down, my man. You finally got him. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but Albie, that, that that's kudos to you and your longevity. So I have to give a tip my hat to you. Experience, he said. Thank you, Doug. Hey, like me, you're not old, only experienced. Have a great night. We'll see you next time.